All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. I'm your host, Adam Peak, and we are going to be talking with Hernan Braberman. And this is, he is the most prepared guest I think we've ever had. He tells a story. It is visual. So please go to the Packaging is Awesome YouTube channel and watch the interview. Uh, he, he put a lot of time, a lot of attention into uh, this this delivery of it. And he tells this beautiful story throughout the entire interview. So I'm excited for you to watch it. Listen, uh, if you are not paying attention to the detail of your packaging specifications, you need to. We are proud to be pa- partnering with Specrite. Uh, Specrite is helping you manage your packaging specification outside of spreadsheets and PDFs and at worst, relying on suppliers, being beholden to suppliers to have all that information, making that awkward call like, listen, it's not you, it's me, but I really need to get those packaging specs because your supplier knows what's happening. Listen, take back control, own your process, own your data, contact Specrite. You can go to specrite.com backslash pkg to learn more today's that's s-p-e-c-r-i-g-h-t dot com slash pkg to learn more about Specrite. let's get into this interview now with hernan braverman all right everybody i am here and another uh we'll call this international episode i've been it's been such an awesome journey uh, through this podcast to get to meet people all across the world in i believe every continent i've been able to do an interview uh, it's it's appropriate timing because we are smack dab in the middle of the summer olympics uh hernan have you been following uh the, the summer olympics much sure sure yeah okay uh it's been i I always find a sport, by the way, whenever I watch the Olympics, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to watch so much more of this sport. And I never do. It's like curling sometimes or men's indoor volleyball or track and field. I'm I, like, I love it or swimming. It's like, I just get so into it. And then for four years, I forget it's a sport and then I'm really into it again. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting, but I am joined by, and I, I don't have a very uh, nuanced uh, we'll we'll call it uh, Spanish dialect, but joined by Hernan Braberman. What's the? How do you properly pronounce your name? Uh, actually, it's Hernan. Hernan Braberman. Oh my gosh. Hernan Braberman. I can't, let's, this is good. Hernan Braberman. Yeah, yeah, that's. Ah perfect. man, I am. I am. Uh, that's. <laughs> I'll get. I'll try. I'll try. I'll do my best. Uh, you are, uh, you've been in packaging design for a while. We're going to go through your story. You're actually the first guest who said, I have prepared a visual. And so if you're listening to this on audio, just make sure you jump over to YouTube or Vimeo. And I'm going to have the video up as well so that you can kind of follow along. But I'm excited to go through, but it makes sense, right? You're, you're in branding, you're in design and packaging design. Why not make it a visual uh, podcast. So I am, I'm super excited. And you are in Argentina, is that correct? Yeah, uh, I'm in Buenos Aires in Argentina. Okay. Uh, I believe, so I'm a big basketball fan. Uh, I love uh, the NBA and I follow the Denver Nuggets. And I believe that Facundo Campasso is from yeah. Argentina, is that correct? Argentina. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, How's he playing? I haven't watched. 
Manu Ginobili was is from Argentina too. He's the greatest Argentinian basketball player, right? I mean, he's been he's unbelievable. I I like I did not like watching him play because he always beat my team, but I appreciated <laughs> him at the end of his career. I was like, well, you're really great at what you do. Um, he was he was phenomenal. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, why don't you, we get going here and you can let us know about your story. I mean, this is the people of packaging podcast. If you're, again, if you're listening, we may make references to slides that are up and you might go, it's kind of like when you listen to a stand-up comedy show maybe, and you're not watching it, you're just listening to it. And you hear the comedian say like, it's sort of like this. And then he makes like some funny gesture and the crowd erupts in laughter. And you're like, I didn't, I missed the whole thing. Uh, I didn't, I don't know why that was funny, but apparently it was really funny. So there might be a little bit of that going on. Uh, so we're going to jump into, and I didn't realize this as well, but you also, you host a podcast as well. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I have, um, I launched last year, a podcast focus on, on package design, especially on package design. It has like, um, some episodes are on Spanish and some, uh, are in on English. So yeah, I invite you. It's Branderman, the name of the podcast. Yeah. So great. Fellow podcasters. That's Fantastic. Is it fun to be on the other side to be interviewed? I like being interviewed for podcasts now because you do so many, you, you do so many, I don't know. Do you, do you interview people then or are you uh, yeah, I, solo? I interview people. Yeah, okay, uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I always find it fun when I just get to show up and get asked questions <laughs> instead of having to prepare <laughs> stuff. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, so let's get, so you've got a picture up here of yeah. 1988. In 1988, that's I want to say... I, well, I was in second grade and I, I definitely had a mullet. I'm for sure had a mullet and that's back in style now, which is weird. Kids, if you listen to this, cut the mullet, it's going to look ridiculous. Just get rid of the long hair, business up front, party in the back. It's, you're going to regret it. So the eighties is not the greatest, uh, time for fashion. Uh, but you are, you are looking quite stylish. So, uh, why don't we, why don't you talk us through, your story. So we've got a flat slide up here, 1988, and I will let you go. And then I'll jump in and ask some questions as you, as you're going through it. I'm excited. Great, Adam. Well, um, let me, I, I will start with a politically incorrect confession, which is I don't like dogs. Um, <laughs> interview, interview <laughs> over, interview over. We're done. No. Can we cut it? Cut it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm no, just no, kidding. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I'm not an anti-dogs. Uh, you know, I just like them over there. It's something that frightens me. There's there's something strange, but like uh, paradoxically, thanks to a dog, I became a designer. Which uh, I was. Uh, it was 1988, and I was 15 years old. We were spending a day at the beach, and my father bought a magazine. And there it was, uh, the name of the dog was Kobe. And there, there was something special I like about him. Uh, perhaps it was because he was not a real dog. And his creator was a Spanish designer called Javier Mariscal. He's a Spanish designer, Javier. Uh, and he's also an artist whose work has spanned a wide range of mediums ranging from painting to sculpture to graphic and product design. And in 1988, he created Kobe and it was 
chosen as the mascot for the Barcelona Olympic Games. Just we were talking about Olympics. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> this is, and uh, Javier Mariscal really taught me that uh, what design without surname is. It, it doesn't matter whether it's graphic, whether it's structure, whether it's virtual. I think, and he thinks that design is just design. And that very day, I decided I wanted to become a designer. Um, can I ask you? Can I ask you a question here, real quickly? Yeah, yeah. Why? What? What's the deal with dogs? I mean, Kobe's obviously an awesome mascot, but was there a backstory to not liking dogs, or you just sort of uh, grew up not liking dogs, which is fine. Um, I guess that my my mother didn't like dogs either. Mm. So too much hair in the house. Yeah. So he. She translated that fear to me, I guess, and to my to my brothers. And so, uh, yeah, I have respect for them. It's, it's not something that they don't. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not provoked to to touch them or something like that. It's like okay. oh. <laughs> it's like stay away, not come here and snuggle. Stay away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. You don't want the you don't want the face licks and all that kind of stuff. You're like, no, let's no, keep no. our distance. Let's socially distance. And uh, yeah, you yeah. stay away from me. I'll stay away from you and we'll have a good relationship. Okay, I got it. Okay, it's time for our first break here on the podcast. And we're still talking about SpecRite. Hernan's story about uh, being afraid of dogs made me think of like how, how much fear we have had in the industry over data and really of understanding data. Um, kind of like stay away from me. We'll, we'll social distance from our data, right? That time has to come to an end now. We are solving way too important problems. So here's what I want you to do. Okay, just like I said at the beginning, go to specright.com backslash PKG, S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash PKG and schedule a demo for your company, right? Stop socially distancing. Stop being afraid of, of the dogs of data, right? And, and get connected, get reconnected back with them. Go get your demo today. You will not be sad that you did. Trust me, it's an awesome, awesome product. Let's get back into the interview, shall we? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so uh, sorry, but you, you were talking about, uh, about design and uh, I, I jumped in, but I was just, I was curious about that because yeah, we don't hear a lot um... of people start off the podcast with, I don't like dogs. <laughs> so I, I decided uh, I wanted to, to become a designer. I love uh, industrial design, product design. I was very drawn to, to graphics. So I decided to, to, to study design, but there was a problem. I was a middle-class teenager living in a, in a developing country, which is Argentina. And Argentina was entering a huge economic and social crisis. Uh, in 1989, there were riots in Argentina with a wave of demonstrations and also looting of supermarkets. And the economic situation worsened and Argentina went from recession to hyperinflation. Uh, nevertheless, I enrolled in the University of Buenos Aires, which is a public, huge public university, which is one of the most prestigious universities in the region. Unfortunately, undergraduate programs at the University of Buenos Aires were free of charge. So I was all in, like in 1989, entering first year at the university to study industrial design. 
Um, uh, I would like to share with you an anecdote. Uh, during university, we, we really, we all wanted to own a, a book, which was the Presentation Techniques Manual by Dick Powell, who's the founder of Seymour Powell, which is a very well-known UK old packaging and product design agency. And being an, an imported book, it was really impossible to buy it in Argentina during those times, especially. But one of my wealthy friends could buy it abroad. So I borrowed it, I photocopied it in black and white, and then I took note of all the colors of each illustration in the book, which is like crazy. <laughs> Every like Wow. And that's what I'm looking at right here is you are yeah, making notes of what each color was. Yeah. Gray, well, how, lighter gray, <laughs> red. <laughs> how long red. did that take you to catalog an entire book? I think like a month, but it was like uh, the best. <laughs> it was like touching gold with my hands. So th th that was the, the, the scenario where I studied design. It's, it, it was like... Uh, the, really, the, our professors were great and the, the quality of study was, was great of the program. So I managed to graduate with first class honors in industrial designs when I was 21 years old, quite young. And two years after graduating in 1995, which is 26 years ago, I co-founded my agency, which is 3D Image which would become the leading Latin American packaging design consultancy. And just from the start, we, we, firm, we firmly believe that packaging should communicate in three, three dimensions because both structure and graphics reflect brand identity. And we coined this term, like we, we call it 3D branding, which is the synergy between structure, which is a shape, and graphics, uh, which kind of creates an emotional response, creating a multi-dimensional experience, especially on packaging. Right. How how long? So you said that you started in 1995, and then you you said you you went on to become the premier Latin America packaging design agency. How how long? I mean, how were those early days starting off? Clearly, you have a passion for this. I don't know anybody who has ever photocopied a book and then taken descriptive notes of the colors because you love design so much. So, which is, which is awesome to hear about that kind of passion, but how long did it take for that passion to translate into a viable, profitable business? Was that pretty quick or did it take, you know, yeah, 10 years? Um, no, it, it was pretty quick because we, one thing that was uh, key to our success was to when we founded with my partners the, our studio we went all in for focus so although being a product designer from from our background was in product design we decided we wanted to focus on packaging and especially created a distinctive proposition which was the, the, this uh, integration of structure and graphic in the early days. So we, th there was uh, a large competition of very international, some international agencies which were uh, focused on label design. 
product designers kind of designed some packaging, but it was like a minor uh, deal mm -hmm. for them. It was like one per year. And so we, as, as soon as we start reaching our market, which was firstly in Argentina, but so, uh, soon we realized that there was a need for our services in all over Latin America. And we contacted companies uh, and we tell them about this distinctive perspective of uh, working uh, with this kind of synergy, which was okay. um, needed both for like uh, beverage brands, especially home and personal care. This was uh, very well um, received by the market and we started growing rapidly. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, I don't know. 25 years ago, I was, you know, I was what, 16 years old. So I didn't know, I, you know, I didn't really think about packaging as an industry then, but I would imagine that there, there is a, there is a focus on packaging design today. Certainly I would venture to guess it was not as, it was not the same level. And so for a company to come out of the gate and say, we are purposed and we are hyper-focused, we are obsessed with packaging design specifically like you mentioned personal and home care beverage i i would were there many people that you were competing with then or was it you and maybe a handful of others throughout all of latin america a handful yeah 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 there were specialized packaging agencies like 10 in all over latin america and uh, agencies that could integrate not just graphics labels but also the shape of a bottle it was just us so that that was very uh, like a distinctive asset for us to to grow in the market cool uh well i'm, I'm excited to hear about this is it Cernova vodka label yeah, or a uh, bottle you have up here yeah this is a an interesting case study because it's it's about this 3d branding um, aspect of our work um, we believe that creativity has to be rooted in strategy and strategy has to be rooted in consumers mind for example when we face the challenge to redesign uh, this uh, vodka which is an italian vodka but we have to fit it to argentine consumer taste we started by auditing the existing bottle and graphics and we also researched competitive environment and the product category. We visited stores and recognized podcast graphic and structural design codes, not just labels, but also how bottles communicate uh, that this is vodka and it, this is not rum or it, this is not water, for example. Um, I believe that uh, one day co-creating the brief with the client is worth minimally one week of design time because we have to align before design. Mm. Uh, we are like psychologists uh, that listens and captures a brand essence and we, we have to translate it into shapes, images, color, fonts, words and materials. Um, that essence of a, of a brand should be expressed through a three-dimensional identity that defines how the brand looks like, what it says, and how it says it. And for Sornova, we created a bespoke glass bottle that conveys mm. with its 
and both fractals, its distillation and filtering through black diamonds. That, that was a, a very interesting attribute of the brand, which other brands could not own. So that this idea of, of creating uh, ownable attributes through graphics or through structure is very ingrained in our work. Yeah, that's cool. What a what a different again, I'll keep saying this, but for those of you who are not who are only listening to this, you're missing a a a, a pretty awesome case study here of a brand who went I mean, honestly, I'll be, I'll be I'll be completely transparent. When you showed me the first slide, I was like, Whoa. oh, oh. <laughs> Oh no, is this his design? <laughs> and I'm not like a critical packaging designer, but I was like, oh, okay, let's see where this is. Oh, this is the previous image. Okay, got it. And now it's like, wow, what a, that's, that's really, it's really impactful. The Thank difference. You. Yeah. Uh, in, in this case, if the flavor versions also show, showcase that fractals in their label. So there is, uh, it, that creates a, a kind of dialogue between structure and graphics, which is very, interesting to, to, to really communicate in three dimensions. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that design is not just about the way brands look. Design is also about the way products are used, the way how they are communicated to the world, the way they are produced, and also even discarded, which is uh, something that is um, gaining place in our agenda, the, this sustainability, the sustainability, the, the impact our designs create in, in, in environment. So this is a kind of new aspect that is gaining uh, each day more and more importance. Um, fortunately, the, the new Sornova packaging was a real success in Argentina, exceeding all expectations. Here you have the, the previews and the new design. And <laughs> I hope that listeners will, will turn to- uh, Can you, can you send me, I just, just this shot, uh, I want to put as uh, you know the the thumbnail of the video along with when I share this on on social media because I think that it really does capture it. It is a stunning. It's a stunning difference between the two. I mean, the one on the the before image really does look like a a pretty cheap, you know, kind of like bottom shelf vodka that. But if they're trying to, if they're commanding, if the product is actually really high end and they're commanding a premium price point, I don't know. I would definitively not know that from the, is that, is that wax dipped or is that just a straight yeah, sleeve? Yeah, kind of wax seal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the coats aren't, weren't fit for, for Argentina at least, but surely to, for US also. It's, it looks like another kind of product. It doesn't communicate the price point no, it doesn't work yeah it's it's fantastic so that's i mean it's a it's a it's a stunning difference and really highlights i think the importance so so do you know it maybe this information you can't share but i would be really curious the not just the before and the after images but sometimes i've found when i have made recommendations for people to talk with you know folks like yourself uh, that they, they maybe struggle to quantify the the before and after from a revenue impact from a you know if it's sustainability impact is that a, is that something that you're able to walk down the kind of walk down the road with and say obviously you cannot predict revenue uh, but but do you ever go back and tie that and they say we just had a 
113% increase in revenue over the last 12 months, trailing 12 months. And we attributed 100% to our rebrand because without that, we just would have kept selling to the exact same consumers. Is that a conversation that you ever have on the back end? Yeah, sometimes we, we manage to have the, that kind of return of, of investment conversation, but it's sometimes difficult to attribute all the success of a product to, to design because there are a lot of other sure. uh, variables like distribution, pricing, costs, but uh, we usually get great um, comments regarding the this idea of exceeding expectations of what was expected to sell and uh, the comments of consumers, uh, how they embrace it, the, the new brand. Uh, that, that's always a, a great um, uh, way to, to see the success of the product, not only uh, mm -hmm. if it looks nicer in, in our portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. Brand equity seems like one of those things that is, is sort of, I don't know, squishy or malleable where it's like, you know, when you're, you know, when you've lost it, you know, you, you really know when you've lost brand equity because you start, you start losing distribution channels, you start losing sales. You're like, oh no. And that's a really hard thing to catch back up on. But, but I think very few people understand that you're, well, I don't want to say very few people, but this idea of, of market share and mind share and, and brand equity, it may not be leading to this drastic increase in sales, but what it's doing is it's, it's keeping you where you need to be. It's keeping you top of mind. It's actually, it's actually, it's warding off uh, would be entrance into your consumer space, whether it's in this case, which is on a liquor shelf or in a bar or wherever it might be, or if it's a food product, you know, on the pantry or in the, in the, uh, food service space, whatever it might be, you keep elevating your brand experience. It may not be this one-to-one -one ratio of, like you said, ROI to, to you know, the expense, but, but the, the backside of that is really, it, it's, it is a slippery slope when you lose that market, you use that mind share and that market share and that brand equity. It's hard. It's really, really difficult to recover, I think. Sure. Sure. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, there is also, um, we always like to, to, to mention that we are like a storytellers with, with packaging. We, we have a, a tool, which is, which are stories because stories do magic by transforming information into emotion. And like good mo movies, powerful brand identities are based on great stories. And in that aspect, packaging is like a trailer. It's, it's like a kind of gateway to the brand's narrative world. Uh, and a brand is like a little story wrapped around the product, uh, which makes it easy to understand and also, of course, to buy. Some, some years ago, uh, Adam, we were commissioned to design a premium package to communicate the unique quality and purity of a, of a water, uh, which is a particular water because uh, it's a confined, it comes from a con confined aquif in, in Paraguay, and it was a very special water. 
And our, our client was explaining uh, when he was briefing us uh, why this water was unique. Uh, so I, I asked what makes it so special. And he said, more than water, it's like a jewel. And mm. I, I wrote that phrase in my notebook as it was like the solution to our design problem. How, how, how could we make a jewel out of a bottle? We knew we had to do something to bring that concept to the bottle design and also to the graphics in a dazzling way. So uh, we ask ourselves, what graphic element represents the purity of water? Of course, a drop, but a drop is not a jewel. So we design a fine geometric pattern that reinforces the idea that the drop is carved is a carved precious stone. And we created also a sleek glass bottle that proudly wears a faceted shape reminiscent of a diamond on its neck, mm. which communicates the premium soul of the product, communicates its unique quality, its discovery, its exclusive origin. A very simple and minimalistic typographic logo and graphic also reflect its millenary intact purity. We even designed a case to, uh, as a luxury dress to introduce Gondwana as a jewel. Um, like a memorable, memorable story, Gondwana also has a happy ending. Uh, we won a Pent Award in Barcelona and also a Gold A Design Award in Italy uh, in recognition of its structural and graphic package design. So it was a, a very nice story. Amazing. And cool. I have another story, which is uh, also from Latin America, from yeah. Peru, from a very well-known place, which is uh, Machu Picchu, and uh, it's the city of Cusco. Um, um, Machu Picchu is actually a citadel located in the Cusco region of Peru. It's really a unique testimony to the Inca civilization. And Cusqueña is a unique beer brew in Cusco close to the Machu Picchu. And being the premium beer of Peru, Cusqueña really needed a redesign to embody its national DNA on its logo and also on its package design. It's really not the same to redesign a leading brand as one with a smaller market share. Uh, we, we like to think ourselves like doctors and like a doctor's procedure in front of a patient, the first thing to do is to make a diagnosis of the current design. What makes it unique? What doesn't work? What's the problem? What do people identify with? What opportunities for improvement do we have? And what was great that it was that Cusqueña had a unique story to tell, but its label looked like a traditional European beer. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. no? It's, it's a, from an incredible place uh, in, in the middle of Peru and Nevertheless, the, the label looked like coming from Germany. And yeah. our challenge consisted in expressing that local Inca identity on every inch of the package while communicating a contemporary Peruvian spirit. We, don't, we didn't want also to, to stay on like pre-Columbian times. It, it has to, to, to feel uh, contemporary also. Um, so. Uh, our inspiration came from this, uh, which is well, a very well-known artifact 
in Cusco artifact, which is the 12th angle stone, which was part of a stone wall of an Inca palace. Um, and that example of perfectionist Inca architecture inspired our design, inspired our design solution. So we created a logo plaque, which was personalized with a shape that to resemble the 12th angle stone. And that creates a unique identity that no other beer could own. Mm. Even the letters look like as they have been carved in stone. We try to highlight Cusquenia unique origin to convey an authentic and premium brand image. Mm -hmm. Were you, um, were, when you were doing this redesign, sorry, uh, the, were you, were, were there any constraints to staying within an application on on this particular label where they said, we don't want to change out our equipment. because so it looks like the same basic kind of label, some sort of cut and stack blue applied label would do when they, when you're going through this design and you're, I love, I love the idea of diagnosing. I use that. I use that example in sales all the time. You've got to understand what you have, to, what is the objectively true fact of where they currently are. And so I, I really, really resonate with that. So was this one of the things where they said, you know, you can, it looks like you did some cool things with the bottle design, but when it comes to the label, we got to stick with this piece of equipment. Sure, Adam, uh, especially in when we work with structural packaging projects, one of the first stage on the diagnosis phase was, uh, is to uh, understand what are the constraints limitations and opportunities of the technical equipment of that yeah. packaging line. And in case uh, when we are talking about labels, for example, uh, as, as you said, there are magazines and there are machinery special to label, to glue uh, these kind of labels. So it's not possible or feasible to, to say, well, let, let's change this to a um, spot, um, no label look. That would yeah. be possible in terms of investment. Especially, right. so we have to move within the constraints. Sometimes the constraints are mental um, because uh, people are expecting to to remain in the status quo and do things like they do always do. But if you change just one thing, you can uh, create opportunities of, of differentiation. Uh, in this case, regarding the label, as you said, we we couldn't change even the die line because mm -hmm. it, it involved a lot of magazines and a lot of uh, tools. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. But the, again, you know, the, the thing between the, the before and after on this one, more so than the vodka is you did, you did keep a lot of call it core elements where I think the consumer is it, is this, is this a beer that's consumed? regularly in um in uh peru yeah yeah it's okay. very well known yeah so so those consumers would still recognize it's sure. it's enough of a change where it's like oh i see they've made a change but it's not like it's going to get lost they're going to be like where's my favorite beer what happened to it yeah especially when when we are creating redesigns which is something that we do a lot uh, you can choose for evolution or for revolution Mm. And that selection, it's not trivial. You have, in this case, when you have a, a, a very su successful brand, you have to go for evolution 
respecting uh, every distinctive asset. That's why the diagnosis part is super important because yep. those, in this case, the golden color was something that was no negotiable. Uh, the the picture or the the depiction the, the illustration of Machu Picchu was something that was very was valued, but nevertheless we wanted to to upgrade it because there were a lot of opportunities. The red plaque was very, uh, something recognizable, but not the shape of the plaque. But nevertheless, the the shape the, the that uh, color balance of colors that are things that we have to very be very careful because we want to to keep the loyal consumers identifying it on shelf. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome. Again, you know, another another sure. uh, knockout. Uh, and especially through our redesign, Kuskenia re rediscovered its authenticity and its proudness, which is very important. Yeah. And we uh, we also have applied our design skills to design actual food. That's something interesting because it's it's not just the packaging, but also sometimes the food inside. And in this case, Koffler Block is the leading chocolate with peanuts brand in Argentina. They wanted to transform into the perfect dessert to share during meetings with friends in Argentina. And the aim was to capture consumption occasions that were taken away by other desserts, such as ice cream. So they wanted to launch special edition of a one kilo chocolate bar, which is a huge bar. Uh, and when the company approached us, they were already developing a large version of the typical chocolate bar, which looks like very dull. And we couldn't believe the opportunity they were missing. So we accepted, of course, the challenge to design a chocolate bar like no other. Um, Adam, let me introduce you to Wolfman Köhler, which was a German psychologist who contributed to the creation of the Gestalt psychology. And he discovered something uh, called the Boba Kiki effect in 1929. And that effect states that the human brain attaches, attaches abstract meanings to the shapes and sounds in a consistent way. Uh, I, I'm showing you uh, two forms one is boba and another is kiki. It's not so difficult to say which is boba and which is kiki. Yeah. And if you believe kiki is the one on the left, you are right as 90% of the people. Uh, this is an example of what uh, we call synesthesia. Mm. So while designing Koffler Blocasso, which is the, the project, I remember the synesthesia effect I learned at university and ask uh, how could we design a chocolate bar that could look crunchy? How, how shapes could look cr crunchy? Hmm. So we transform the usual two-dimensional square grid into an unstructured prism, achieving a three-dimensional optical illusion to, to make it look really crunchy. And that way we created a different experience, turning chocolate into a gerable object of desire. Wow. And as part of the launch, the brand carried out a campaign on social media. It managed uh, in the first post to break all the records with more than 80,000 shares and four and a half million views in 24 hours. So it was, it, it, 
uh, it was born like a limited edition and suddenly it was like the huge success of the year and transforming the regular product on the Koffler line. Well, now I'm hungry too. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Now I'm like, oh, where's mine? I need to, <laughs> I need a kilo of this in my, my office right now. It looks awesome. I, I, I want to tell you now a, 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 an interesting story about um, a project that we did for, for US. And it's about entrepreneurs. Um, I think that building a brand is like a journey, which starts by defining where we are and asking ourselves where we want to go. And Jainaba is a real entrepreneur. She was born in and raised in the Gambia, a tiny country in the western part of Africa. And because of the opportunities for higher education were limited there, her family sent her to university in Canada. And she, when she was, uh, while she was in school, a military coup occurred in her country and she found she was unable to return home and immigrated to the US. And Zainaba always yearned for the comfort, comforting taste of her native African food. The, the problem was that satisfying her craving meant cooking everything from scratch. Mm -hmm. And that was easily a full day's commitment to make a single meal. Um, other ethnic cuisines could be easily prepared at home using convenience food. So Jainaba wondered, why not African? And from this simple question, Kitchens of Africa was born. She committed to producing premium products based on authentic Af African style cooking methods while keeping pace with current consumer trends. She wanted to launch this uh, brand to the uh, US market um, to convey a charming and fashionable image was a must uh, as her products were going to be sold in New York, one of the most fashion addicted cities in the world. No doubt. Um, when we started uh, this project, um, we started uh, researching about African food and we found out that food was had always played an integral part of the African culture and traditions, that women are responsible for most of the cooking in Africa. So our challenge was to pay tribute to them in Kitchens of Africa packaging. And our inspiration came from the extraordinary traditional African hairstyles and the colorful fabric patterns of this amazing continent. Uh, the richness of African culture is represented in the textile motif from uh, each product. So we wanted to spark curiosity, like a, a product line that would make one want to pick it off the shelf because it looks exotic, gourmet and premium. Mm -hmm. A really clean and modern design, but at the same time, exciting, colorful and inviting. Um, I think that uh, great branding is almost identical to dating. When it's done right, it is about creating a meaningful connection. So this was also a, a very uh, touching project because being from Argentina, we are not connected with the African culture at all, but by researching, by talking, by diving deep uh, in conversation with our client, we, we managed to, to understand the, the soul of the project and translate it into to, uh, a branding solution 
and that uh, I I still remember the the day we we showed this concept to to our client to Shainaba and she was moved uh, in a way that she almost started crying. Wow, I mean that's a connection though, right? That's uh, that's awesome. And the again, just the 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 graphics and the silhouette is. Is really it's really striking, you know. I mean, that's that's the whole goal. Is how do you grab that attention? You know, I mean, that you have such a short period of time. I guarantee you, this is it, it's going to grab attention. Have you ever looked at? Uh, and and we probably have just a few more minutes um, to wrap up. But I, you know, we we could do a whole second one because I'm sure you have. This this is super informative for me, and I hope it's it's a, it's a a masterclass in in packaging design. I, I really, I really, honestly believe that. But do you ever uh, work with uh, any of the people over at uh, HP? Because I think of like the mosaic print that they have for for digital yeah. labels, where you could take these color palettes, these very vibrant color palettes, and and you know change up slightly every single, maybe not every single label, but you know every hundred labels are going, they're all going to look a little bit different with those colors. Do you ever work with designers like that? Or do you kind of come up with it and then hand it over and allow them to dream a little bit bigger? Uh, actually, this project was, it has like seven years. So I think that in that moment, uh, digital uh, printing wasn't so developed. Um, but right. as you said, it, it's an incredible tool to connect with Consumers, because it offers like a, a great level of uh, personalization, customization. So we can every um, label could look different, and mm -hmm. you can program each pattern to be unique, and that's great. For that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that's that's, that's pretty cool. That pretty is cool. that is fantastic. Um, well, uh, me, go I, ahead. I would, I would like to tell you about. Um, a packaging innovation project, which is very interesting. Sure. This, uh, it's about a water which is born on the peaks of the Sierra Nevada in Spain. And the Mulasen mountain is the highest mountain in the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, Lanjaron, they commissioned us to create a proprietary plastic bottle targeted to the restaurant and catering market. So when we started with this project, we started sketching and we wanted to create a sleek premium bottle that could communicate Lanjaron Spring. And I always asked myself, what if to challenge the status quo? Mm. And in this case, we ask ourselves, what if the bottle base, instead of a typical dome shape, featured a 3D depiction of the Mulasen mountain? Wow. Um, uh, I think that every innovation is an act of protest against the established rules. But, right. Oh, I love that quote. I love yeah, that quote. Uh, but nevertheless, the closer you get to achieving an innovation, the closer, the more no's you will receive as answers. In that case, we, we, we received, they, they said us, that base is not feasible, that won't work, that won't be cheap to produce, people won't buy it. And to make, to make uh, risk taking more palatable, we, we can run small, nimble experiments to, to quickly infiltrate the to, in the innovation territory, like a, a tro Trojan mouse instead of a Trojan horse. Uh -huh. uh, 
uh, it's interesting because scientists understand that in order to innovate, you have to run experiments. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, in, in the design field, experiments are usually called mistakes or failures. <laughs> and our Trojan mouse in this project was assuming the risk of building a pilot mold to test the bottle with different bases. And we partnered with the local bottle producer and ran several blow molding tests. And we sent the bottle prototypes to Spain and six months later, the new Langhalon bottle was born. Um, I think that uh, new ideas are fragile. We have to protect and nurture them. That's, that's it's the key to achieve what we call in yesvation instead of innovation. That's, I love it. In yesvation instead of innovation. Oh my gosh. How have I never heard of that? Like that, it seems like such low hanging fruit to pull out no and put in yes, but it's the first time I've ever heard it. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that is great. Um, just to, to round our, uh, our talk, um, I think that every designer has a dream project and mine was to design this kind of ultra premium and exclusive spirit, like the ones you see at duty free shops worldwide. And that dream became a, a reality uh, when we were commissioned to design a rum with a price tag of $1,500 per bottle Ooh. and only 500 bottles available. So it was like, a, wow, a, a dream come true. And Papandres is a Brugal's family greatest treasure, which includes rum from 37 family owned cask, which contain decades old rum mixed with the best of each year's batches for some added freshness. And this blend has been enjoyed by the Brugal family for five generations and only at family celebrations before ever being released for sale. So, so our challenge was uh, to local, to balance local with global, tradition with modernity. We strive to design a structure that could convey the liquid treasure contained inside it. We crafted each detail and developed the technical drawings to produce the crystal decanter. This is not glass, this is crystal, which was uh, produced in Italy. And for the bottle graphics, we were inspired by Dominican Republic gingerbread architecture, which is a style that consists of hand-carved wooden lattice work, which combines local Caribbean traditions with adaptations to for foreign influences. Mm. Uh, our design for the engravings on the stopper and on the shoulders reinterprets motifs typical of Puerto Plata houses, gingerbread architecture. The crystal decanter also features a hand-polished, sand-blasted brand plaque. And one 500, um, only 500 handmade decanters were produced for sale, making this one of the most unique and extraordinary rums in the world. Wow. Did you get a we bottle? We also designed uh, this elegant jewel case, which carries a book with the story of the ram. Yeah. This case features intricate illustrations engraved in metallic insert. And Papa Andres is released in distinct, distinct uh, limited batches. So we propose that each limited edition graphics should be created by a different artist to reflect the uniqueness of each lot. Mm. I was super happy with the final design. And even more when we won a Silver A Design Award in Italy. But Adam, life surprises you. And imagine my reaction when I found out who was going to design the next edition of Papandres. 
Yes, I still can't believe that I share design with Javier Mariscal. <laughs> it came full circle. Full circle, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That was amazing, yeah, yeah. I managed, I also, this circle uh, closes when I interview interviewed him for my podcast last year and it was like a dream come true it was oh my gosh i'm saying wow that's amazing so, i love that yeah yeah i think that no matter who you are or where you come from you can be a memorable brand and and really even start liking dogs <laughs> do you have a oh like you're touching are you i'm touching a dog, dog. Is that your dog? Did you get? Did you own a dog? It's now? from a, a, from one of our designers. Ah, uh, okay, all right, all right. Man, that was awesome. But you, you, you came. Uh, you brought it. I mean, just the whole, the whole. I mean, you talked about how packaging is really part of this story and this journey. And I love that you're. You don't just talk about it with other brands, but I mean, you you brought it for this podcast. It, it was. That was unbelievable. Uh, so how do people reach out to you, connect with you who you know, either need packaging design or just want to know how they can get a bottle of Papa Andres rum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, you can find us at uh, trydimage.com, which is our okay. agency. And also you can listen to our podcast, Branderman, on every platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, cool. Google. Yeah, it's I will Branderman. Put, I will put all of that in the show notes. Let me try this again. Uh, I can't. I can't. I, I can't. I was going to say, I was going to try to say Paranon, but I can't. <laughs> oh, no, I can't even, I can't roll my tongue. That's the problem. So. Uh, well, Hernan, it was it was awesome having you on. That was I strongly recommend, strongly recommend. If you only listen to this again, please go back and watch it. Uh, the visuals are it's it's a visual story. It was wonderful. Thank you for your preparation, for your time, and for all the work that you've done for 26 years uh, in 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 this business. I'm sure there are so many other brands and stories that you can tell. And I know I know I would love to to have you on again in another season just to hear more about what you're doing. That was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That would, that would be a pleasure. And thanks for having me. Uh, and con congratulations on on people of packaging. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Well, that is it for another episode of the People of Packaging podcast. Thanks for listening. It would mean so much to us if you would like and share and subscribe to this podcast. We want as many people to know about the incredible people that we have in the packaging industry because we believe that packaging is awesome. Thanks again.